0: Welcome to a new conversation about software engineering. Our guest today is Aino Corey. Aino is an independent consultant and helps clients with a felicitation of meetings in general and retrospectives for agile software development in particular. Uh, She also has expertise in facilitating OKR meetings, design sprint facilitation, architecture health workshops, mob programming sessions and executive strategy summits. And also, you know, that's why I know her, uh, program committee meetings for all kinds of interesting conferences, like GoTo, Yao and QCon. Welcome, Aino. To Thank the you. Co- yeah. Thank you very much, Sven. I'm a, I appreciate to be here. Yeah. So Aino is here because she wrote a book about um, retrospective anti-patterns. And if you read the book, you realize this book is let's say a more it's it's not only interesting if you running retrospectives so if you read it you realize oh wow i can use that one in my regular meeting and i can, can use that one and um so even even if you're not into retrospectives it's, it's a very interesting uh, book. Um, and, um, yeah, we, we just want to talk about the things in the book, um, let's say with a larger perspective on, on meetings in general, um, tech meetings, uh, architecture, design reviews, and stuff like that. And maybe one thing I've, which, uh, motivated me to, to, to have this conversation and why meetings are so, uh, uh important for us software engineers, was, um, one big software company, famous software company. They, they were looking for, uh, let's say principal engineers and they were, um, uh, one of the most important, um, skill was you need to be able to facilitate meetings. And I was like, Okay, that that now now we really have to hurry up with this. I know, <laughs> <podcast>. <laughs> it seems to be very interesting. Yeah, so I, I found that quite interesting. Um, yeah, so uh, let's let's start. Um, uh, I have to say I didn't apply there, but uh, you know, a recruiter, <laughs> a recruiter showed up and uh, and I, I clicked on it. Um, but um, but yeah, but found,
1: yeah. but then after this, you can apply there.
0: <laughs> but maybe I don't want to. <laughs> maybe, maybe where I am. But um, yeah, I, w- what I found out is, you know, I, I'm I'm moderating a lot of meetings and I'm sitting in a lot of meetings and um, uh, looking at the things I learned in the book. Uh, my I, I have the feeling my meetings are like orders of magnitude better than before. So, um, so I, yeah, let, let's, let's go into, into, uh, you know, how, how we can make, uh, meetings instantly better. Okay. Th- so my first question, just as an introduction is, um, what types of meetings actually exist for tech employees and uh, where, where we are considered to be an attendee or an organizer?
1: Yeah. So, I guess that depends on the organization, what kind of process they have. But if I look at my experience, a lot of software organizations have implemented Scrum in one way or the other. Mm. And with Scrum, or if they have SAFE, um, there are a lot of meetings that they just need to have regular meetings, um, like daily meetings, retrospectives, as you already mentioned, planning meetings, review meetings, demo sessions, backlog, refinement, uh, all these kinds of meetings. And if you have SAFE, you have all sorts of other meetings on top of that, PI planning and other things. So there are, of course, all these meetings that are in the processes, but then there's also one-on-ones with their managers or one-on-ones with the ones that they are managing. It could also be sometimes they're thinking about um what you would call apprenticeship with people that needs to be onboarded as meetings. So let's set a meeting for this so that we can talk about this. Let's set a meeting for this so you, that you can learn this. We also talk about social things like meetings now because a lot of things are online or or hybrid. So we, when we want to make something social like playing together or making drinks together, we, we call in for a meeting because... That's what it says in our calendar because the Teams meetings or the uh, hmm. Google calendar meetings or the Zoom meetings or whatever you're using. So there, there are a lot of meetings. And for most of these meetings, the tech employees are expected to be just attendees. And that means that they take away a lot of their responsibility for making the meeting a success. I'm sure we'll get back to that later. Hmm. But sometimes they are organizers. So it could be that they set up, um, some sort of ad hoc meeting about discussing some technical detail or trying to discuss what technology they should use. Or as I mentioned before, it could be some apprenticeship with onboarding, <clears throat> onboarding a new colleague.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, we really have a lot of uh, meetings. So I, yeah. um, I'm, I'm, I'm op- I run a lot of one and ones, but also if, if you're, let's say if you're in, if you're an architect or something like that, or you, you know, some, you have to lead some technical, uh, let's say things, mm-hmm. there are also lots of technical meetings where we have to make some sort of decisions or getting, uh, getting on the same page, stuff like that. And, uh, Yeah. So we, we, we basically have uh, the role attendee and organizer. I also, uh, so you are a facilitator. So Mm. what, what, what is, what is the facilitator role?
1: Mostly my facilitator role is somebody who didn't actually initiate the meeting, but somebody who is invited or paid to facilitate the meeting. And when I say facilitate the meeting and not lead the meeting, it's because as a facilitator, I am trying to facilitate that the, th- the, th- the best thing that could take place takes place within the given time with the people that are there. And that means that sometimes I've been tasked to facilitate a meeting, for instance, to make a decision about some technology choice. But while I am facilitating it, I realize that there was a hidden conflict that probably needs to be resolved with something else than a technical discussion or that we don't have enough data to actually make this decision. And if we make this decision based on what we know, we might make the wrong decision. So sometimes the way that I facilitate a meeting is also to call it out and say, I'm sorry, we have to stop the meeting now. And then we need to prepare a little bit more Hmm. to, to make the meeting actually worthwhile because of course you can always, and that's where it comes back to a meeting leader. Sometimes, If you think you're a meeting leader, you're leading the the meeting and it's your responsibility to get exactly out of the meeting what you want out of the meeting. And sometimes you do that with a little bit too much force. And you can always, of course, make a decision with the people that are there based on the data that's there, but it might not be the best decision. And then it would be better not to make that decision and then create another meeting. But as a facilitator then, as you can understand from what I'm saying, A, you have to do your homework. You need to understand what it is actually that they want to achieve from this meeting. What is what's the like? What's the end result? Hopefully for them, and then you need to understand as much as you can about the people who are in the meeting, and you have to understand what kind of data we're bringing in. Is there something that everybody read before? Is there something? that we should create while we're there. Like in a retrospective, we often have this gathering data stage where people are putting up post-it notes or they're mm. voting for things. Is is this part of this meeting or is the data gathered already? And then as a facilitator, you need to take care of the time. So you have to think about, well, we we need time to end this meeting because otherwise um, it, it will just end abruptly and that'd be very irritating. We'll probably get back to that as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm notoriously uh, bad at managing time in meetings. Uh, uh, so, um, yeah, we, we 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 will discuss that later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> later, when you know, in three out. No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, because I I do have one before we move on to I think the preparation and the goal setting. Um, um, maybe one other thing, I, uh, uh, one other role, uh, is the recorder. So I, yeah. I call it recorder, you know, someone mm-hmm. who's taking notes it's, is that a role is, is that really a role or is that just something, you know, it, it, do, do we have to think about it when we, when we start a meeting, how we take notes? what has been discussed or,
1: uh, well, that's interesting, right? I mean, it, that really
0: depends on the meeting.
1: If, if it is a meeting where, there might become some lawsuit afterwards to figure out who said what. And it's probably a good idea <laughs> to not just have a recorder as a person, but actually record it and then use one of these speech to text tools. So you don't hmm. need a person to, ex- if you want everything recorded, you just use speech to text, right? That's easy now. Um, but in my experience, there's a lot of things written down at a meeting that nobody really looks at afterwards. And if the, you write down too much, the, the probability for it not being read is actually higher. So what I would suggest was actually, unless you need to know who said what it, what I would suggest is only to have the decisions written down afterwards in a very short way. And then in a very, in, in a longer way. So hmm. in a short way so that people can skim it and say, okay, this is what we decided at this meeting. And then, perhaps a little bit longer text underneath if you need it, like who's responsible for this, when will it start, when will it end, things like that. A little bit like I do at retrospectives. So when I facilitate a retrospective and we have all these post-it notes and we may have had a brainstorm about things that we can do, action points or experiments, and then we decide on one or two things to do. And then people the first time they have a retrospective for me, they want to save everything. They want to take pictures of everything. They want to save all the post-it notes and they want to put the post-it notes into a spreadsheet and show it to the manager and things like that. And I said, don't do that. Just throw it all away because the only thing that will give you any value is actually what you decided on. All All the middle calculations normally aren't that important. Mm -hmm. In my experience, but again, there are some meetings where the middle calculations are important. So I think that that's, again, one of the things that you actually need to think actively about before you go into the meeting. What kind of recording do you need? Is it enough to record it and make speech to text with everything? Is it enough just to have the decision or what is it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah. Then let's, let's jump into the, let's say into the preparation of, of a meeting.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So the, the first thing I I uh, I have here is deciding if I need, if I need a meeting at all you know mm-hmm. I um because I, I sometimes I have customers that have for everything a meeting and it's yeah. very hard to and you think you know you, we could just discuss that over slack <laughs> um uh, what do you think about about uh, about this That's
1: a very good idea and I one of the reasons why I think it's a very good idea to decide whether this should be a meeting is that this is the first part of the thinking process about the meeting. And the thinking process behind the meeting is something that is very, very important and very, very ignored. We've some, it's, it has become a knee-jerk reaction just to say, let's have a meeting. Let's find some time in the calendar. Put an hour in the calendar in this week or next week, depending on how urgent it is, right? And then suddenly you come to work and you have six meetings on that day, or maybe even more if they're shorter. And the to-do list that you have of the work that you needed to get done, and I, I know that meetings is also work, but the other work that you needed to get done, yeah, like you have a to-do list of things that need to work or need to be changed. And after a day full of meetings, you have a longer to-do list than you had when you started. <laughs> that's that's it. At least that's what it is like for me. So I think that you should definitely think about whether you need a meeting or not. And I think what you need to think about when you decide whether you need a meeting or not is do we need to have all these people in the same room at the same time? Like does it have to be a synchronous discussion or could it be an asynchronous discussion? As you said, could we do this over Slack? Could we do this by sharing a document and making people answer? Now, unfortunately, there are some types of people who will not read the emails that you sent them and who will not join into this discussion on Slack and who will need to be invited to an actual meeting to get the work done. But that's it's more about people than it is about meeting types, I think. And and you will probably learn after a while who you actually need to have in a meeting to do something. You, you probably know the types when, when you think about that, you, there are some people where you know you need to be with them for them to do the things that you want them to do. And they think are boring, right?
0: Hmm. Um, you, you, you reminded me on something I had once a customer, they had, uh, they had, let's say once we were remote and then we had onsite, site workshops with lots of meetings where we can discuss uh, things. And, uh, basically it was similar to what you described. So, um, the day was full of meetings and there was basically no time to prepare or to, to, you know, to, to, to follow up on the meetings, but just, you know, we piled up so much new work and each meeting was, it was actually, it, you know, it was an interesting meeting and it addressed an, an important topic, but nevertheless, I thought, maybe we are lacking clear priorities, you know, Mm. that, you know, that there is something coming up where we say, okay, let's have a meeting on this. And everybody says, ah, yeah, yeah. You you know, we have to discuss it. But I was just always wondering, do we have, really do we have to discuss it now or can we discuss it in one year? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. So that, uh, that was a problem. So uh, that, yeah. What what do you think? Is it,
1: Yeah, that's definitely also a problem. If you think about, again, I'm going to make the relation to Scrum because I assume everybody knows that process and makes it easier. In Scrum, you have a product owner, right, for each team, and that product owner is responsible for prioritizing the backlog. And when there are requests for the team, the product owner will be the one to say no. Who's the product owner for our calendars?
0: Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: And that, that, that should be ourselves, but then we should be empowered to say no to meetings. Right. Cause there's a lot of interesting meetings that comes along and you want to say yes, but it's the same with functionalities for like an app. Exactly. It, there's yeah. always a lot of interesting functionalities mm-hmm. or optimizations or security. You can optimize there's, you can always make things better. There's a, like, even though meetings are interesting, You really, really have to have a product owner for your meetings and and preferably yourself. So as an example, sometimes I have retrospectives with the project managers and the project managers in the retrospective, one of the things that I ask them often is, so what is the priority of your tasks as a project manager? And then they prioritize the tasks, it's blah, 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 Mm. people, blah, 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 blah. And then I say, okay, so look in your calendar. How does the calendar reflect your priorities? And often it doesn't. And I think that that might be a worthwhile task to do, not just for managers, but also for technical people, to look at the calendar and see if it reflects what the important thing is. The trouble with technical people is that they often get into the – get into the state where they just dislike all meetings, that they dismiss all meetings as a waste of time because they have been in meetings that are a waste of time. And then the problem again mm-hmm. is everything is just called meetings. And that means that when they're called into a meeting, they immediately have the reaction, oh no, it's a waste of time. So I, I think that one of the things that that's important is besides preparing meetings to give the meetings, different names, different kinds of names.
0: hmm yeah. I mean, that, that's something, um, I'm, I learned from you actually. And, I ca- um, you also, I have to mention, it's not only the book, but, um, you also made a video on Dave Farley's uh, channel on meetings and, um, you know, in there are also lots of links to very, to a lot of interesting resources, you know, I dived into it and I found it very interesting. And, um, one thing, um, you said was, um, make, make those meetings optional and it, it should be easy to drop out. You know, it's not a mm-hmm. mandatory thing. So I, so I do now something similar. So I, I work with a couple of teams and uh, we have a regular meeting. And sometimes we have a lot of things to discuss and actually this one meeting is not enough, but the, the, the said we, we actually, we have so many meetings, <laughs> yeah. um, it's better to go slower and just, you know, if, if we can't put it in the, in the Monday, in our Monday meeting, then it's the next Monday or m- Monday in six months, but, you know, not more meetings because we, we have to, to get also some programming uh, done. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I, uh, I, I basically say to everyone that the meeting is optional. You know, mm-hmm. it, the whole meeting is optional only if we really, you know, I, I have, I have always topics based on a, let's say on a, priority let's say architecture topic priority list which everyone mm-hmm. knows but if if they have no time if you know for some reason we just skip it if you are not interested in this specific topic you know just skip it and um it's it's really not necessary to join all the all the meetings yeah exactly
1: and especially if you don't think that you're contributing to the meeting and you don't think you're getting anything out of it, you should be allowed to stay away. And then if people stay away, that is interesting information for the one who has organized the meeting. Why are people staying away? Yeah. Right. That's something that they should react to instead of getting angry or insulted. They should say, Hmm, this is interesting feedback. They don't expect to get anything out of the meeting. Maybe I need to change the meeting.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, when I, so when I, when I think, you know, this, this is a, uh, it should be an, is an interesting meeting? I mean, everything is interesting, but it's also important. So what are, let's say the, the key elements in planning and preparing a meeting?
1: I think the first thing is to think about what is it actually that you want to get out of it. So when I, when I'm teaching students, the first thing I think about is not so much the content or the book or um, what I should say, but I'm thinking about the learning goals, the, the outcomes. And it's the same with meetings. Think about the outcome. What, what is your expected outcome of this meeting? Is it a technical decision? Is it, as you mentioned at the beginning, a shared knowledge? Is it um, trying to understand what happened with some problem? Is it discussing a specific problem? Is it discussing more problems? Is it making a decision about the process? What what kind of meeting is it? And when you know what you want to get out of it, then you can start thinking about who should you invite and thinking about how long should it be. It It seems like most meetings are just an hour, which doesn't make sense because then some things are rushed and some things take a lot longer than they should. And then you can think about the preparation for the attendees. Is there something that they can prepare before the meeting so that you can make the meeting more efficient? Uh, It could be reading something. I know that there are some companies who said that the first 10 minutes of each meeting is a reading session where you'll get a chance to read what has happened. And that is in response to the kind of type I mentioned before, who doesn't? Who doesn't like prepare for meetings like that? There will be people who don't do that for various reasons. Mm-hmm. So it might be important for you to do that. But again, that depends on the team. That depends on the people in the meeting whether they're the kind of people who prepare or not. But if you want them to prepare, you should be really, really precise about it. I just facilitated a retrospective with some managers where there was a big misunderstanding about how much should you prepare for meetings. Should you just show up, or should you actually read the agenda? Mm -hmm. and prepare based on the agenda. And they decided that they should have a separate email if they needed to prepare. And I think that's wise to have a separate email where they should prepare. There's also talk about if you should have a call people in for a pre-meeting where they could actually do the preparation as a meeting. I think that's going down the wrong road, but Mm -hmm. it's definitely important to think about not just how much you should prepare as an organizer, but also how much the D should prepare and how much they can prepare. And then, of course, what need what if it's an online meeting? What kind of boards do you need? Um, would it be a good idea with an icebreaker to make everybody laugh because there's a bit of tension in the room? Or
0: yeah, yeah, it's funny. I mean, you, you have this talk, the importance of a laughter, mm-hmm. <laughs> and in actually, in one uh, one regular meeting we have, we now uh, start always with. Uh, with a, um, um, a Chuck Norris joke.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, it's, you know, the funny thing, it's really, you know, it, it changes the whole thing, you know, if you, yeah. if you just start with a joke, it's actually, it sounds silly, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, it's, it's always, uh, you know, you, you just start different. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's, it's and, so important. I think, um, if only it was allowed to start every meeting with a little bit of laughter, I think, meetings would be much more pleasant because there's so many things that happens as you, as you saw from that, that presentation is that a, when you laugh together with somebody, you get all these happiness hormones. And if you're together with somebody, when you get these happiness hormones, you think you like them. That's a very good outset for a meeting, but also the tension, as I mentioned, that might be, can actually be relieved with laughter. So it's uh, less likely that there will be a conflict when you started off with laughing and laughter is something that you can use during the meeting as well
0: hmm. yeah yeah it's it's um yeah, I wonder how to make it I, I I always try it during the meeting you know to to come up with something funny uh just to relax, especially if it's like the mm-hmm. discussions but, yeah. but 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 that's obviously difficult, I mean starting with a Chuck Norris joke. That's easy because you just read out the joke. But you know, coming up with something during the meeting to relax the situation—that's difficult. But I think um, you know, it's worth trying and paying attention to it.
1: Yeah, I would say like if if I can just give three good advices to be funny during the meeting. That one advice could be just steal from other people, like you do the Chuck Norris jokes. You could just maybe show a joke on the screen or something like that. That that might be a bit weird, but I'm I'm sure it will be good. (laughs) Another thing that you can do is that you can, you can say something funny about a common enemy, right? If you have a competitor in the market, you can say something funny about them, or you can be ironic if, if you are in a country where they understand irony, like saying that.
0: Uh, yeah, that's important.
1: <laughs> it's wonderful that we always have such pleasant meetings where nobody gets like, angry or something like that. Or the or the last thing is that you can make a joke that shows that you belong together, and that could be that you have something funny like, it, you already have that Chuck Norris thing together, so you can sort of build on that and and say what what would Chuck Norris say now or how would ah, Chuck yeah. Norris have solved that or something like that. Or it could be that you that you're i don't know working with uh, animals on your software and you say that um, there's probably a horse in the room right now instead of an elephant in the room, so that you mm-hmm. say something that is that people understand but they the brains are a bit tickled about it
0: yeah yeah, I so think that's the- a
1: whole different story.
0: Yeah. yeah, But I think I uh, take, I mean, um, today, actually I have a meeting and, um, I, because I I'm going to a conference this afternoon, I decided I do not want to address, a you know, a, a topic which creates a lot of tension because mm-hmm. it's really bad if, you know, I, I I'm still struggling uh, with it. You know, if, w- what can I do if, if you address, if you think about it and you have to, uh, you know, we, ha- we have a topic which is criticizing, you know, it's actually, it's, it's not really criticized. So we are talking about certain parts of the code and how they address a problem. And I just don't know how to, you know, how to run this meeting that people are not pissed, for example, yeah? mm. that they are not. Ah, He doesn't know anything about, you know, how this code came together. Of course, I know, you know, I'm, I'm the, the last person who should criticize uh, code, but I have to address it. You know, do we do we need to do we, we need to do something about it? But when and how do you see that? And um, yeah, I'm I'm always wondering if, if, if you have those critical meetings, how to take the tension out of it. So jokes are one, uh, thing mm-hmm. is there, is there another thing to, you know, if, if you know, there will be a lot of tension, what, what you can do about it.
1: Yes. Well, if you, if you already know there will be tension and you know, who will create that tension, that's a very good start. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can, you can talk to people beforehand. You can prepare yourself out of tension. Mm-hmm. By talking to people one on one, because the the problem with tension in a meeting is that there will be a lot of bystanders bystanders, and when somebody gets aggressive it's normally because they're afraid of something um or they're like frustrated about something mm-hmm. insulted or something like that and if people are looking at you losing your temper, you will lose your temper even more. So it's if you can get the conflict out of the meeting with all the people, it's much easier to make conflict um, resolve resolving actions. And then you have the nonviolent communication. There is a lot of ways to try to get empathy between two people or two parties about trying to understand the viewpoint uh, of each other. If it takes you by surprise in the meeting that the conflict shows up, one thing that's very important for you is to keep your head cold, which can be difficult. It's very important that you don't like act on your feelings, that you don't take sides, that you don't start shouting, that you don't start getting afraid. If you can in any way, then what I try to do when i when I sense my feelings coming up as a facilitator, I try to take a take a step back and ask myself, why do I have these feelings? I realize it's not easy. It's something I'm still working on because mm-hmm. I've got a temper. Um, so it's important that you keep your head cold and then you should try to create empathy. And there are different ways of doing that. I think the, the first thing is that people often don't really disagree. They're just not listening to each other. So one thing that could be interesting is to try to make them say, things from the side of the other one. Like like when you're going in couples therapy, the therapist will say, what did you just hear him say to you? Or what did she just say to you? Mm-hmm. I think it's quite important for creating empathy to try to put them in the role of the other person. I sometimes have teams where there's a problem where some people think that the other party is not doing what they should do. And, and it can be interesting then to try to make them experiment with being in that role and then saying what do you think that they normally do during the day? And that means that they have to try to empathize with that person and say, then they got an email from me and then they needed to do this and then they needed to do that. And then they didn't do it uh, because they didn't have time or something like that. And that just trying to put themselves in the shoes of the other person can help them realize that, something that to them seems simple might not be easy Mm -hmm. for that person, right? It's a bit like losing weight. It's simple, but it's not easy. Like everybody in Denmark should do their back exercises. It's simple, but it's not easy, right? Because there are other things that take priority. And so, so that empathy is quite important. And, And then also you as a facilitator should try to figure out, are they actually disagreeing? What, what is their agreement? Can we find some sort of agreement that so that we start the discussion from an agreement about okay, we both want to have good quality code. We agree on that. But what does good quality code mean, right? Mm-hmm. It could be that they have different interpretations of what does good quality code mean, and that's much more interesting to figure out than to discuss whether the other one is actually doing it or not. Do you mm-hmm. see what?
0: I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I can actually, I can relate to that. I never uh, thought, you know, about it in, in that regard, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm a consultant. And when I, when I started after university, my, uh, my boss back then, he sent me to, let's say family therapy, <laughs> which was, it was really true. So it's, um, it, it was a, tra- it was a consultant training, but it was based on family therapy, uh, uh, techniques, you know, how, mm-hmm. I found that quite interesting. So there are lots of uh, books out there, um, you know, how to phrase questions to people and, um, how to approach, this uh, difficult discussions. So yeah, I, um, yeah, i for some reason, I never thought about it uh, in, in meetings. Okay. Next. But it's it's
1: like this family therapy, it's, it's, it's long and tested, right? And there's a lot of psychology that went into this and it's, it's actually based on making people who find it difficult to talk to each other, to talk. So it's Mm. perfect for software development. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't call it therapy because if you start calling it therapy, they'll be out of the meeting.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, we, 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 we started with the preparation. So the, um, so and mm. we did a, a little a detour, um, I think no problem, but, um, so we, we think about, uh, what we want to achieve, uh, who should, uh, attend, mm-hmm. um, what we have to prepare, you know, how do we want to, to, to share it, um, but now uh, one thing I'm notoriously a bad and I have now with, with let's say, not only a book, but also um, uh, a manager I, I work with right now. So he is really detailed in planning the meeting, you know, really like timeframes here, five minutes, there, seven and a half minutes and stuff like that. So um, crafting an agenda, so mm-hmm. to speak. So how uh, how would you, you know, how would you start with an, or how do you build an agenda? What, what are your recommendations?
1: I think it would be a good idea to make the agenda before you figure out how long time you have, <laughs> 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 because otherwise yeah. mm. you will like, it, it's the wrong dependency. Obviously, sometimes if you're working with some people, like you only have 45 minutes and you have to do this in 45 minutes. Now, of course, you can say, no, it's not possible. But otherwise, I think it would be a good idea to make the agenda first. And um, I, w- I would look at it as uh, Sam Kaner looks at, at meetings. I tried to describe it in my audiobook as well. So I'll try to use the word from the audiobook. Imagine that you see a Viking ship from above, right? And then you start on the one end where there's a tip of the boat. That is the beginning of the meeting. This is where you all agree. So that's why the the ends of the sides of the boat meet there, because we agree on the agenda. We agree on what we want to get out of it. Then we start the divergence. That's where like the ship gets broader in the divergence. The facilitator will say, this meeting is about this. We can talk about this. Um, This is within this, for instance, architecture decision that we want to communicate. So they sort of set the boundaries for the meeting. And then in the divergence, we open the floor. We show the differences in opinion. We share the differences in experiences. Maybe some people said, well, I have... um, I have implemented this architecture pattern before on this technology and it never works. And some people are saying it always works to use cloud uh, solutions. And somebody's saying it's not secure enough to use cloud solutions based on these data, blah, blah, blah. So they're opening the floor. And the point for the facilitator is to make sure that when, when people say something that's outside of the boundaries of the meeting, that they say, put that in parking lot. So we have the divergence. Then we have the the groan zone, which is the part of the meeting where people are discussing within this constraint the 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 breadth of the ship won't get bigger, but we will be keeping in this place But before we start making any decisions. Then we go to the other end of the ship, the convergence, where the ship becomes smaller again. And that means that we will cut off discussions and we will make it so small that in the end, we will end with the sides of the ship meeting together as the conclusion of the meeting. So that thinking about the meeting as the start of the meeting, the end of the meeting, and then the divergence, the grown zone, and the convergence is the overarching agenda for your meeting. And it's important to think about this, I think, because it creates a framework for what you should do within these. So obviously, within the divergence, you should make people share experiences. You should make people share data. You should make people say, this is what we should talk about. And then they know what we shouldn't talk about. And then in the grown zone, we could put in different activities for maybe going into breakout rooms and discussing it within each department or two and two or whatever you need, and maybe making sub-decisions. And then in the end, at this point in time, we need to start converging towards some sort of agreement. And then you can start building your agenda with the um, with the time and saying that we probably need um, 10 minutes for the divergence to share this. We probably need at least 45 minutes for the discussion. And then we probably need 10 minutes for the convergence. And then you can start Seeing, okay, we need one and a half hour of meeting because we also need a start and an end or a break in the middle or whatever. And it, it I, I realized that it, it is a good idea to have a meeting agenda with specific minutes with times on it so that you know, as, as an organizer that you can actually do it, that you have thought about it. But I think that having the specific Minutes on the agenda is not something that I would show the attendees because you need to be agile about it. It's it's very good to make a specific plan, but you need to realize that sometimes you need to change the plan. Sometimes you realize in the middle, as I said in the beginning, you don't have enough data to take this decision, or you don't have the right people, or you need to make an experiment. And that's what the meeting ends up with. We have an experiment instead of making a decision. Mm-hmm. and then the, the really important thing is as a meeting facilitator to remember that it takes time to end the meeting there are so many meetings where we're discussing in the groan zone up until the last minute of the meeting and then somebody saying oh does anybody have a a hard uh, hard back uh, do they do they can we stay for five more minutes? And then we stay for five more minutes and we don't resolve in those five minutes. And then we say, can we stay for another five minutes? And then people start dropping off. And soon we're only three, and then we say, "Ah, we can't really make a decision with us three. And when we've gone 15 minutes over for no reason at all, just becoming more frustrated. So I think it's quite important as a facilitator that at least 10 minutes before, if you're not in the convergence zone at that point, you should say, stop, no matter how good the discussion is. We have a problem here. We cannot end this discussion within the allotted time. And there will probably be people who need to run or we're tired right now. So let's let's stop the meeting. Let's make the convergence about what is the next step. Is it another meeting? And do we need a meeting? Can the rest be resolved in smaller meetings? Do we need to invite more people? Does it have to be today? Something like that. And I think that's quite important because there's so many people who – End meetings abruptly, and that's just frustrating. And that leads into that, that the technical people are thinking that the meetings are a waste of time because we, we don't see what we get out of it. I think that's also important at the end of the meeting to show people what we get out of it. Make a very super short summary, 30 seconds. We we spent the time here today to talk about this. We, we learned this. We decided this. So that people know when they leave the meeting, okay, there was a reason for this meeting,
0: yeah, yeah I, tr- I I now try to force myself. it doesn't work all the time to um, to also write a little summary, you know, even the, the people who are not who decided not to be in the meeting because mm. reasons yeah. that we have you know we, we we talked about this, those were the decisions or decision postponed uh, action items uh, out of the uh, which came out. Yeah, that's uh, always yeah i'm i'm one of those guys uh, yeah. who uh, last minute uh, and it was very frustrating so i'm i'm always over time and then uh now uh, and everyone was like yeah i have to go now really It was like okay uh, let's see next week or something and then it was yeah, yeah it created uh, frustration but one one thing um i'm just wondering because i share now the i share the the minutes of the agenda mm-hmm. But usually, you know, we, I say, you know, that's what I thought, but obviously, you know, uh, um, it's, is a very dynamic situation. It's just, you know, what I thought, you know, that people have a little idea, um, uh, what's coming. Um, yeah, so I, I, I share the times, but everyone knows, um, so not uh, w- what I think we should, it should take. And, but everyone knows, um, yeah, may- maybe, maybe things uh, become, uh, uh, different. So now, now I have, we, we, we have th- this agenda. So let's, you know, software engineering podcast, maybe take an architectural uh, decision. <laughs> Um, as a, as a nice example to go through. So I have an, uh, we have an, a decision to, an architectural decision to make, mm-hmm. um, obviously, um, the person who organizes the meeting needs to make sure people are, it, it's important enough to do it now, you know, why not earlier or later? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's important. Yeah. That we then um, thinking about who should be invited, um, how much time does it take? So maybe even, so I, you know, we, not maybe even, we have to prepare the session, obviously. Mm-hmm. So preparing is maybe we already prepare this architecture decision record, or we, we just say we create it. During mm-hmm. the during the meeting, so we that's what you said in the beginning. You know, maybe yeah. we have something to talk about. That mm-hmm. would be one thing I should think about. Do do we need content already Can yeah. we discuss, yeah. or do we create content? Yes, important decision to make. <laughs> yeah, and and then obviously I need some time uh, for the thing. I have to think about when I want to discuss uh, what you know the the you know, what do we want to get out of the meeting, going, uh, prod and looking at, uh, yeah, this, discussing. And I, I think, you know, for me, it, it was really important. The, um, the, the, this parking lot mm-hmm. you know, because people are just coming up with something. And I was like, ah, that's interesting, but yeah. actually it's not part of this meeting. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm, I'm the guy who I'm this then North, uh, and then the North once said, uh, you know, when, whenever he sees a squirrel, he runs after the yeah, squirrel Yeah, yeah, and I'm exactly, I'm, I'm a squirrel hunter. So for yeah. me, the, the, the idea of the, you know, keeping, being focused is important. I, I since I'm so bad at this, I, uh, I always ask a person <laughs> in the meeting to pay attention. If I'm a squirrel, if, if I hunt. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, you know, that's a good idea yeah. to um,
1: have somebody else, uh, check on you
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, yeah.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Just finish what you're saying. Yeah, and just,
0: then, then we have this discussion, um, um, where we go broad and then, um, yeah, we, we, let's say we try to, to go towards a decision and, And obviously as a moderator, so here is one problem I usually have is how as a moderator, how can I make this happen? You know, Mm -hmm. this is how how to get this focus, let's say on the, on the outcome, because we have to discuss, but we Mm. also have to, to write things down. We have to, um, yeah. also keep the people, uh, in, in a certain direction. What, what, what would you recommend, uh, to, to do that?
1: Well, um, I think it's important for you to know with each team, what is it that's important and what is it that's difficult for them there. Are, some teams find it difficult in the divergence. Some teams find it difficult in the ground. zone. and some, te- some teams find it difficult in the convergence. So if your team, has a specific difficulty converging because they would actually like to stay keeping their options open and groaning, it's a good idea to make them aware at the beginning of the meeting that there will be a time where you will be the irritating person who will make them stop the wonderful discussions that they have so that we can converge towards a discussion. So remind them before the meeting starts that you will be doing that at some point. When you reach that point, remind them now we actually have to go into convergence because if we don't do that right now, we will just have a discussion meeting and we decided that this was not a discussion meeting. This was a Mm -hmm. Mm decision-making meeting. If you want discussions meetings, we can have a discussion meeting with no outcome other than we've shared some knowledge by the discussion, but this is not that kind of meeting. So we have to end this now. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I believe that we have enough knowledge now And we have enough understanding of each other so that we can conclude something in this meeting and then ask them if they agree.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I I found it quite helpful to, um, to really think about what kind of meeting, are we going to have, and then Mm -hmm. create, I mean, I'm, you know, the the types of meetings I run are are limited. Yeah. So technical meetings. So, you know, either it's, we talk about technical depth or we talk about architecture decision, or we share uh, the current status. So there only, there is a certain amount of, a certain amount of types. And those types have a certain structure and um, yeah, we can share the structure upfront and say, um, but it's, yeah you know, this, this is the, t- the type of meeting and, uh, <laughs> we have to make it, but I, it, it's still hard for me, I must say too. Yeah. Be,
1: but... It, it, it's not easy. And, and I think that uh, one of the problems that you might have is the same problem that a lot of people have. And I have had myself when I was a developer is that if you are facilitating the meetings yourself about something that you are really, really invested in, <laughs> it is almost impossible to do it in a way that follows all these rules for facilitation. Because if you are actually interested in this technical discussion, which I think you are, it is very difficult for you to also spend a part of your brain being the facilitator because as a facilitator, you have to be focused on the time, you have to be focused on the energy in the room, you have to be focused on, is everybody part of the discussion? Is somebody outside the discussion? Do I need to split it up in smaller groups? Hmm. Do I need to move on to the next element? Do we need to end this discussion because it's going in circles? Does this actually need to go into the parking lot? And as you say yourself, you have to ask somebody to, to keep track on you so that you don't follow the squirrels or the shiny things. And it could be that maybe you should have somebody else facilitating the meeting once in a while.
0: No. Yeah, or yeah, for me, that's I, I, I'm thinking about it, uh, but I... Yeah, it's what I try now is I just try to let's say decouple myself from mm. the from the yeah you know it's a kind of I have my opinion <laughs> yeah but uh, my opinion doesn't matter yeah, yeah. so
1: yeah that can work it's it's like I said with the conflict resolution right that if you get feelings of anger yourself or frustration try to step away from your feelings and look at it from the outside.
0: Hmm. So one thing, um, uh, maybe kind of the last, uh, part of the discussion, uh, you, you already, um, uh, mentioned it and, um, is how, you know, I, I need to look at how people engage in the meeting, you know, do mm-hmm. I have to split it up? Mm-hmm. And, uh, that is also something I learned, uh, from the last, uh, pa- chapters of, of your book and it's, because I, you know, I have the problem like, like everyone, you know, when I talk about me, it's not me. It's like, you know, it's every meeting we have people who are usually very silent. We have pe- people who are aggressive, for example. And, um, so I, I was always wondering how do I, how do I encourage participation? Yeah, mm-hmm. So if, I I just don't want that the silent people are not heard. Mm
1: -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. Uh, What would you recommend? uh, Yeah.
1: So if it happens in the meeting and they're silent, there are some things you can do. But if you are already aware beforehand, there's also some things you can do. Let's start with, you are surprised by it. It happens in the meeting. Somebody is silent and they are continuously Mm -hmm. silent. If you want to hear what they're saying, you need to allow them to say something, perhaps uh, in smaller groups. Maybe you need to split them out so they don't have to say something in plenary. That's... We have this, at least in our culture, the plenary meetings where we're all discussion, discussing and we say that the floor is open and everyone can say something at any time. That is actually not a very good way of having a meeting in general, because there'll be some people who will say something all the time, and then there'll be the silent ones. And they have several reasons for being silent. But let's assume that we're just treating the symptom now. The the, The symptom is that they're silent. So you can split them up in breakout rooms. You can turn it into more a writing activity than a saying something activity. You can make it more explicit and concrete what you want them to say. Uh, so instead of just asking, are there any questions? Do you understand this? What do you think we should do next? You could make it, maybe look at one of the things that you talked about before and you could say, I would like everybody to think about this for 30 seconds. And then I would like to ask all of you. So you can do like a round robin. If there is If there is a point that you think was interesting and it was sort of left behind, you can say, everybody think about this for 30 seconds. And then I'll ask each one of you to say one or two sentences about it. And then of course, cut off the people who want to make a speech, say one or two sentences. And that mm. can also be fun. That can also be something to laugh at. Right.
0: Yeah. Now in online meetings, it's, um, yeah, maybe also writing down, uh, something, but, yeah. I, um, yeah, I made very good, uh, experience with this. Um, yeah, everyone thinks two minutes also, uh, for me it's a little bit more, yeah, two minutes about, uh, you know, what's important for you, what you want to get out of it or what, what, yeah. what you think is important for, 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 for the solution. Yeah. And then yeah, the round Robin, um, asking people. A- another thing is, um, there is this del- liberating structures yeah. idea and they have this one, two, four all so that yeah. you alone come up with something and then you, you speak to a second person and then, you know, two persons speak to, a, 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 um, then two people come together as four and then you only need one person, maybe speaking in the, in the, to the yeah. audience, because yeah. I, I think for some people that's also tricky.
1: That's that. Yeah. That's, there's a lot of very good liberating structures for how to structure uh, discussions yeah. um and, and i use that one two for all in my teaching before i knew liberating structures i knew it as think pair share you think about it on your own pair up with somebody and then you share if you want to one two for all takes a little bit longer because you have to put them into force before you share so i think it also depends on how much time you have how yeah. thorough you want to be on that but coming back to the silent ones if if you're not like surprised by the fact that they're silent, you might be working with the problem instead of the symptom because we should be very aware of whether it's symptom treatment or problem treatment when when we're working with these problems in meetings, right? And then the symptom is what you see, what you hear, but the problem might be bigger or smaller than you think. So if you have somebody who's consistently silent in your meetings You can reach out to them one-on-one and do several things. Either you can explain to them that it would really be valuable if they would share something in the meeting. You might ask them, if you have that connection to them, why they are silent. If they think that um, if the meeting is not interesting for them, is that why? Is it because that they don't think they have anything to say that hasn't been said before? Is it because they don't think that they have anything to say that's interesting for anybody there's often the fact that people who are new to the team won't say anything because they say that ah, we, I don't really know anything yet, and those are the people that you really want to have saying something because they've got new eyes. And even though they ask what you call a, a stupid question, it can be a very qualified question because they don't, they don't, they're not bogged by down by all these we always do, we never do, or something like that. It could also be that it's a different culture that they come from. Um, It could also be that you you learn there's not psychological safety in the team, that they're afraid to be bullied or laughed at by somebody Mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. So it, it can be really interesting to talk to these silent ones. It can also be that they're reflective thinkers and they just need a lot of time to think before they say something or they're shy or whatever. But it's interesting to learn why they're so silent instead of just forcing them to say something like hmm. you do in the round robins, for instance.
0: Yeah. 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 round robin is, uh, it, for, for me, it's actually stressful, you know, when I'm sitting <laughs> yeah. in a round robin, I think, like, oh, yeah, know, What should I say I, It's I my probably, team? Yeah. You know, now I'm relaxed. I know I will say something stupid, but in the past I was like, oh, I'm saying something stupid. I
1: sometimes say to people that they can pass also in the round, Robin.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. Maybe um, uh, one last question with, uh, let's say, dealing with uh, those uh, challenges. Um, One thing I'm always nervous about are negative people. (laughs) Yeah. So how do I deal with negative people?
1: First, I'll ask you. Why are you nervous about negative people?
0: Um, yeah, I I mean, I'm, 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 uh, one thing is they usually, um, you know, the, they, they kind of destroy the vibe of the, Mm -hmm. let's say, you know, you have a good meeting and we are going towards a decision or whatever. Um, They are not really constructive. They just, you know, they just want to say that you know, everything is rubbish. So to mm-hmm. speak. Yeah. So, that, yeah. And, and then the, the vibe is the vibe is gone. Yeah. Know? And, so, yeah. and also if you have negative people, it's, it shuts people down. You mm-hmm. know, I, I do not sometimes depending on the people, I have no problem um, s- still saying something, but Unfortunately, sometimes those people are really smart and they have, they, they can, they can talk you down and then it's like, okay, then I'm, you know, it, it, it will become their meeting, their opinion and yeah. uh, not the opinion of someone of, of the group. Yeah.
1: So that, I that, think, that makes yeah. me nervous. And that's interesting that you say that Sven, and that's why I asked you, because sometimes when we talk about these negative people, and we talk about what to do with the negative people. I sometimes have people saying to me, but it's okay to be critical. If it's rubbish, it's okay, I shouldn't be shut down. And and that's why I think it's interesting to have your answer. Because the reason why we as moderators or facilitators are worried about negative people is that the negativity spreads and the negativity creates fear. And that's what we want to avoid. It's not that we it's not that we're afraid of having somebody who is critical or negative, it's the spreading that we're worried about to mm-hmm. people who weren't actually negative to begin with. And I think it's important to to also mention that before we start about how to deal with negative people, because otherwise we'll get that criticism. So let's imagine that we dealt with that criticism now. Then there are different ways of doing If it. If it's happening in the meeting and you were not prepared for it, again, symptom treatment, then what you can do is try to pull out the positive positive thoughts and the positive people, if somebody saying something negative, then you can ask, is there a different opinion about this? And, or if you know that somebody has more positive opinion and you think that they're brave, brave enough to say something against this, this person, you can ask them to to chip in. Because the trouble is, as we also see in, in politics, that the more verbal, the more shouting people are, the more people think that they are the majority. But they it's, mm-hmm. it can be important to show that they are actually not the majority even though they're shouting. There's a lot of people who think something else. So that can be something to pull out in the meeting. If it's not something that surprises you, if it's a negative one that you have consistently, then you can use one of the patterns um, in my book, the anti-pattern, the negative one. And one of the solutions in that book, the refactor solution builds on another book <laughs> by <laughs> Linda Rising, Fearless Change. And she talks about somebody called champion skeptic, where you take somebody's skepticism and you use it in your own favor. So you talk to that person between the meetings, one-on-one, and you say, I I appreciate that you are very good at being skeptical. I appreciate that you're very good at asking questions about this. You're not taking anything like just as we say it, you're actually questioning it, and that's a very good trait to have. So you're saying that you appreciate their, their criticism, their skepticism, because a lot of the people who are very negative or skeptic they have, they're very proud of that role. Like it, It's a role that they that they like to have. Somebody calls them the grumpy old man and then they laugh and they're proud of it. So they appreciate the skepticism. So if you can say I, I appreciate your skepticism. I can see how it's good. Mm-hmm. But then you say we're in this situation together. We need to make a decision about the architecture or we need to have whatever we need to have some sort of uh, talking about the tech debt. We need to actually also do something for the for the users we can't just you know discuss the tech debt something like whatever it is that they're negative about try to give them empathy for you say we're in the the same boat together we're actually moving towards a common goal is there something that you can do to help this with your skepticism so if you see something or you hear something that's not good could you come directly to me and say it instead of instead of complaining about it, hmm. come to me and say it, then we can try to, to solve it together. Or could you give me input to the next meeting that we have about this discussion or decision-making so that we can take your skepticism into account so that it doesn't come in the middle of the meeting where we can't work with it. Could we use it as input so that you sort of force them to come up with that as part of the input instead of a big bomb in the middle of the ground So.
0: Yeah. So basically, uh, it, it, again, it's part of the preparation. So if mm-hmm. I'm, if I know there will be at least one person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, having, guess, having, unfortunately, one, yeah. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately it just preparation, preparation, preparation will be my answer.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, but if, if you have to prepare a lot, you also have less meetings and the, but the meetings are way more effective and mm-hmm. uh, that's, uh, that's the good thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, one question to wrap it, wrap it up. Um, um, so obviously we have talking about resources. So if I want to become a better moderator and meeting organizer, um w- we have your book, uh, retrospective anti patterns. You mentioned Linda Rising's book. We put everything in the show notes, a fearless mm-hmm. change. We had uh, deliberating structures mentioned. You have a talk at, uh, we also mentioned with, uh, on Dave Harley's, uh, channel. Yeah. Is there anything else you would recommend? Um, you know, what, what should I, what should I start becoming a better moderator and meeting organizer? What we haven't mentioned here. Mm.
1: Well, there's, a, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of books that I could, I could mention. Um, they all in, in my book, um, like books about body language, books about facilitating meetings, books about, um, decision-making for teams and, um, and I hope that also I'll make some more videos in Dave Farley's Continuous Delivery Channel about meeting facilitation. I've prepared two more that will come at at some point during this year. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I have a course myself that you can buy about facilitation. That's <laughs> on my website that I can recommend as well. But the, I think the biggest game changer for me was not reading books or listening to other people, but was actually – to make a little retrospective every time I had facilitated a meeting and write down um, what went well, what didn't go well, what could I have done differently. And that's actually what the book is based on, the book that I wrote about anti-patterns. It's based on all the mistakes that I've made when facilitating retrospectives and what I have done to get out of these situations or avoid getting into these situations. So I think that And that's one of the things that we forget sometimes as facilitators. We we rush from one meeting to the other. And at the end of the day, we have some sort of feeling inside whether we have a lot of energy or low energy. And that energy level is based on, I think, how well the work went for us, because a meeting can actually energize you if it's good. And if we just rush through the days like this, we don't learn from our experiences. And I think the most valuable thing is to learn from your own experience because I can tell you exactly how I would facilitate a meeting, how I would prepare a meeting, how I would follow up on a meeting, but it might not fit with your skills. It might not fit with your situation, with your team. So I think that's the most important part is to remember to learn from your own mistakes, actually look them in the eye <laughs> and see how you can avoid them,
0: <laughs> yeah, so reserving some time after mm-hmm. after the meeting and then see yeah make a mini retrospective
1: It doesn't have to be a lot of time five to ten minutes i feel I feel is enough, but it is a good idea
0: yeah do do you think it is it also a good idea to talk to someone else who was in a meeting?
1: yes. That was one thing that I wanted to say as well, but I forgot. Okay. Thank you, Sven. Yeah. That it, it's it's good to get feedback as well. And it's sometimes good to get... So sometimes when you facilitate a meeting and you ask people for feedback, just be, to be nice to you, they give you great feedback. But if you have somebody who, who you trust, you can ask for feedback. But what would be most um, polite towards them is to warn them beforehand that you would like to get some feedback afterwards. And if you can make it a little bit more concrete, You can ask them, could you give me feedback on mm, the way that I facilitated the discussion or the way that I explained the activities that you would do in the meeting or the way that I ended the meeting or the way that I started the meeting. The more concrete advice you can ask for before they go into the meeting, the easier is for them to give feedback because they are also actually in the meeting and should get something out of it. So Mm -hmm. just ask for a specific part of the feedback.
0: Okay. So, uh, I know, thank you very much, um, for, uh, this conversation, I, th- for me, it was helpful. And, um, uh, usually, you know, the, uh, when it's helpful for me, it's also helpful for the audience <laughs> and yeah, thank you very much. And, um, see you soon. Yes, definitely. At some conference somewhere. Thank you for inviting
1: me Sven and everybody have good meetings.